0: You're listening to Partnonomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of
1: Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. All
0: right, so thanks for joining us today. We are uh, joined by Danny O'Neill. So Danny is the founder of The Roastery. And man, if you love entrepreneurial stories, you are absolutely going to love Danny's stories. So Danny, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So Danny, if you wouldn't mind, I know you could uh, share the story better than I can, but just tell us a little bit about the roastery, you know, for folks that uh, might not live in uh, the Kansas City area or might not be familiar with uh, your company.
1: You bet. So we're, uh, um, we like to, you know, we've always aspired to be a a Midwestern uh, based uh, regional uh, roaster and uh, specialty coffee roaster. We try to find the best coffee we can find in the world roast it the best way known to mankind and get it to the customer as fast as humanly possible.
0: And so Danny, you guys, if I'm not mistaken, uh, wholesale coffee, retail coffee to end user customers, you guys have uh, different coffee shops in you know, all around the, the greater Kansas city area.
1: Yeah. For the first 10 years, 12 years, I guess we were uh, wholesale only. And then uh, we're kind of severely pressured into uh, opening up some of our own stores and, First we said we were gonna have one and then two was maximum. Um, we still only have nine, which is relatively small, uh, spread across our, you know, our metropolitan Kansas City area. Um, but still about 90% of our revenue is wholesale. Fine restaurants, uh, lots of universities, super robust uh, website. Uh, we ship coffee all across the world. Um, and then, uh, and we really, not in an arrogant way but we really focus on the top end just super just the the best coffee that we can find and not everybody gets that and not everybody appreciates that rather and i totally get it not everybody has a differentiating palate there's something some kind of food you know i probably eat that would just you know a chef might find revolting um so we don't all have these uh super picky taste buds for everything but what we try to do is just really focus on those customers who have a differentiating palette who just love awesome coffee. So um, yeah, that's what we do.
0: So Danny, I wanna to, to go back to the very beginning. Yeah. And so I guess over 25 years ago now, and so as, as legend has it, you literally started the company, not only in your house, but in your basement. And you uh, grabbed a buddy and you guys were like sawing through floors to to you know to put in i guess the chimneys and different things for your roasters i mean that is that is like as entrepreneurial as it gets if you would kind of tell us about the, the early days of starting a business but but really the vision what did you have in mind for the roastery whenever you looked into the future
1: yeah well the initial inspiration uh, like a lot of them came inadvertently i was a uh, you know, small town Iowa guy until I was 18 years old. I'd never been on a jet. The short story, um, I was dating our AFS uh, student from Australia, from Tasmania. And I, so that inspired me just on a whim to uh, fill out an application to be a foreign exchange student. I didn't tell my parents, didn't tell anybody, just did it. And then right after Christmas, my senior year, they said, okay, here's your family you're going to Costa Rica uh, and this was in 1978 so I went to Costa Rica for a year to live and during that time I went coffee picking and so for me coffee picking was really similar to growing up we walked beans we tasseled corn chopped thistles fixed fence bale hay right up until I was a sophomore junior in college we did that so it was real it was real uh, you know intuitive I guess I came back started school had never drank coffee before but my first final started drinking coffee like crazy and wow did i make up for it so i have i've drank an obscene amount of coffee every single day since then and um and graduated got in the corporate world and uh you know did about 10 years in various sales positions and some marketing and then um and then i decided i wanted to do something else. And, and really purposeful, and I really racked my brain. I really, I admire and appreciate and encourage people going through that because it's not easy. It's not like a, some little idea drops from heaven that, oh, I know what I'm gonna do. So, but I just kept coming back to coffee, coffee, coffee. And this is 1993. And uh, there wasn't really a very robust coffee culture in the Midwest, certainly not a especially a, a, a coffee culture. And um, I had just been, you know, our company was based in Seattle, so I'd been going out there uh, once a quarter at least since the mid '80s. And um, so I just took a whim. Thought if I if this doesn't work, I'll um, I'll join the Peace Corps. And I had seventeen thousand bucks. Spent twelve thousand on a roaster. Learned how to roast. Uh, spent about five hundred on re- revamping my basement, and bought a car for eight hundred bucks, a '77 Chevy Impala. And uh, and just started hoofing it. And so for the first hundred days, I did not make one single sale. Not one. Not one. And, uh, and, a co- and a pound of coffee back then was $3.75 wholesale. And I couldn't sell one to save my soul. And uh, I was scared to death. Every single day, if I could have, I would have quit. If nobody would have known, I would have quit every day, multiple times, every single day but finally made a sale in December of 1993. And then another and then another. And I think now that um, I've never added it up, but I'm sure it's been more than a couple hundred million dollars now uh, off that 17,000 bucks. But uh, as you know, there's a, I call them dark days. It's just like a relationship or a marriage or anything else. It's not all great, right? And, it better be love if you're uh, having that, if you're getting married. And I think the same thing with the business, you better absolutely have this intrinsic burning passion for whatever it is, because it's certainly not going to be the the thought of dollar signs that gets you through those tough days. Right. Same thing with the relationship. It better be, you know, better be rooted in love because you know, hard days are going to come at some point and uh, and then I think the way it manifests, if if you don't have that kind of, it's like, well, I didn't sign up for this. Why didn't, this isn't what I had in mind, you know? Sometimes people start businesses and they don't really think it through. And they're like, you know, I started this because my friends told me I was a good cook. The last time I was, blah, 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 you know, and that's why uh, I always think, well, you started a business, you had a hobby, and then you created a business. And the business of a business, as you very well know, is, you need to live the fight another day. You got you gotta invest and in, and uh so it's it's yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of parts of it that um that take you out of your comfort zone and what you really love to do, but it's all part of the package, you know.
0: Most uh not only just having a passion for it, but almost an obsession for it. Like as you yeah. said, man, there's... There's there's, uh, there's peaks and valleys and the valleys man they could be really scary and if you're not tunnel visioned on on really executing Absolutely. I mean you're you're gonna you're gonna give way then I'd love for you to 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 speak about you know a lot of people especially like kind of as they start up their business they get a few years into it it's like oh my god you know we're cash flow positive we're now finally profitable life is good my my battles my big challenges are over you're you know over 25 years into this do the the scary days ever end? They don't,
1: (laughs) they really don't. I think you build up like a resistance. So that notion, like I, I have two young kids. I was telling one the other day, I said, there's an expression, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And, uh, Sophie's 11. I was explaining the kind of the, the meaning behind that. And I think that's a lot to do with business as well. You build up this, um, it's not unlike just growing up, right? You know, that when you get your heart broken the first time, it's devastating. You can't imagine life going on again, right? You go through that. You have to go through all these things. You just have to. There's I think wisdom is coupled with experience there. And it's really hard to it's really hard to have that kind of wisdom without experience. All of us would love to short circuit that if we could, right? Who wouldn't? but some of it, you just got to go through just like, just like growing up. So I think this, I think that, uh, that comparative is a, you know, it's just really strong with the business too. So you just, you just got to keep going through it even today. I mean, some of the stuff that we're going through this week, um, would probably be devastating if people hadn't, if you hadn't gone through it before. So this notion that kind of this too will pass there's, you know, one door closes, another one opens and, First time you don't get a job right you're devastated and then the older you get you know you know what i look back now and i'm thankful for every one of those doors that closed because it allowed other ones to open up And i think the same thing with uh with business And it's relative to what does change i think that gets harder is um like i'm a small town iowa guy and you know we bet the farm you bet the farm well when you don't have a farm it's a lot easier to bet you know if you said well geez i started this i'm all in what what was it boy i had a thousand bucks well okay but when you get when you start to assemble a team and assets and you put everything on the line that is you know the, the the bigger your farm is the harder it is to bet the farm you know um even the
0: decisions that that you make, that not only affect you, right? But now you have, gosh, how many employees? So it's almost like... You are
1: spot on. We just went through this last night. And I, it just, in real time, and I said, well, you know, my first, my first reaction is what is best for those 150 associates of ours? That, that scares me if I think about that responsibility. They're all counting on us. And sometimes you think, "Oh my God, if they only knew how well, you know how I didn't know." Or you know, I'm rolling the dice. Um, but um, but we're pretty. You you know that's a. I think that question is insightful because it it is real time every day. It never changes. And guess what? You know what? Right now, right now, huge companies are going through the same thing. It's all relative. You could you could say, "Well, Google, you're sitting on how many billions of cash." But it's always the same. There's a finite amount of time, finite amount of resources. Where are you going to put or deploy for the best return, the best future? Um, And you're, you know, Midwest. I think that has helped us too, because we've just had a very, very long term. We haven't ever been in this get rich quick or hurry up and start this and flip it. Uh, How fast can we do this and flip it and do something else? And no judging in that but but if you have a really long time frame like i've heard warren buffett talk sometimes you know there's all these gyrations up and down even this week on the stock market i'm oblivious to it because none of those things are going to affect decisions i make because i have a you know we're just we're we're super long-term oriented and i always felt that if i make the best decisions for the long term for the company it's going to end up being the best decision for myself my family and, and our team so sometimes i mean it's, you make mistakes obviously but you learn and go on
0: that's yeah, a great segue into the next uh, question is innovation you know so you're talking about you know being kept up at night or just thinking just placing some big bets but you know what is the antithesis of that right it's being the kodak it's being the borders book yep. You know, if you if you're not placing big bets, that's even scarier because you you know if you're not if you're not changing if you're not growing then you're going to be going innovation. I when I think of uh, you know the roastery, I think of a very innovative company with some of the cool things that you guys have done and continue to do. Talk to me. What does innovation mean? And then I think whatever somebody probably thinks of a coffee company, they don't think of innovation. Maybe you guys are super innovative. Talk to us about that. You
1: bet. I, I absolutely love that. And as my role has narrowed over the years, that is, I could just do that all day long. And it's probably sounds goofy or counterintuitive, but for me, it's rooted in fear. I am afraid of what's coming around that corner. So I still read a lot about Edison, Henry Ford. Um and I am just like, it's some time back I was, I, I did this commencement at this college and they asked me to come back for a tour. And I came back and they were, this was years ago when the 3D printing was just coming out and there. Somebody said, you're a coffee roaster. What do you, why are you here? And I said, cause I am afraid of what's coming around that corner. So even today I read about electric cars, electric flying cars, uh, electric motorcycles, um, electric cruise ships and ferries. i and I can't wait for that uh, driverless car to be able to stop at our factory. I open it up and I can put if there's no driver in there. I can put one latte in there and ship it to you and lease someone or anywhere else. Absent that driver, almost anything is possible. So nonstop every day, all day, um, that's what I'm thinking about, and I get kind of snapped back into the present day sometimes, but um, you know, by 98, I think we were on our either second or third website, we had no flipping idea what the hell we were doing. But I just had this feeling that that was going to be it. So there's a uh, an insatiable curiosity. I'm not preaching this is how you need to be. This is just how we are. I'm insanely curious. I'm insatiable reader. I just want to see what's coming, what's coming, what's coming. And even as they say it, I think I had before it, he said, you know, if I would have asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Um, we and we're not we're not always right. We did some stuff in um, in the early two thousands with that, you know, it was like if you like this, then you'll like this. If you like this, you like this. Way before that we saw it on the internet. I just I I I just can after I know you a little bit, I can just dial in what coffee you're gonna like and da 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 da. da. But we created this thing way before, 10 years before the technology existed. So it was wrong. I mean, it wasn't wrong, but it was a gamble and it wasn't, it was an affordable gamble, but, you know, we missed. Um, so you're not always right, but um, we, so, you know, back in 95, I thought after seeing what was going on in Korea and Japan, I thought the wave of the future, and you looked around and everybody's drinking Red Bull, the, you know, eighth, ninth graders. We thought we had a coffee discussion in New York that uh, that fall. Anyway, we just predicted by 2020. Again, we didn't know; still don't know. But t- by 2020, most coffee beverages would consumed would be cold-based, iced coffee, and and then some of us kind of being kind of smart asses, we said, um, "I don't care if it's you know." I remember saying, "I don't care if they drink it hot, or cold, or warm, as long as it's roastery coffee, I'm good." But the 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 point though is. You know, 20, 20 years ago, almost, we predicted that cold-based coffee beverages would outsell. We could have been wrong, and we still could be wrong. But the point is, uh, we started, we became um, really good at doing cold-based, uh, cold-brewed coffee in 1994, 1995, 1996. Then we put in a um, uh, canning line and started doing it, uh, you know, three years ago. Uh, uh, and then we started doing nitro. You know, I went to the Guinness factory in Dublin to see that, and um, they introduced their nitrogen into be in the, into their Guinness to celebrate their 200 year anniversary in 1959. So they've been doing it for a while. But uh, so, I mean, I appreciate you asking a question. But so, we just look at everything. I look at patterns. I, you know, for what what you know the internet, PayPal, what is how's that going to affect everything? GeoFencing, you know, um, RFI chips, on and on and on. And then and then I always kinda ask try to ask the question, so what? What so what? How is that going to affect me? John Q customer, what do I care? How can I use that? And then common sense, just good old Iowa common sense or Midwestern common sense rather. They, oh my God, well if they're doing that for that, I'll bet this would work. And um and then, just like everybody else, we'd like to try things. We'd like to trial. Try if you're going to fail, fail, fail fast, fail more often, fail cheaper, fail faster. And, and I just have that. And luckily enough, I was kind of born with it. You know what? That didn't work. So what? You want five more ideas? I have five more. And just keep trying things, you know, and, and not that, oh, no, we tried that. That didn't work. So I'm really trying to instill the same in my kids. Kind of, so what? You know what? Get back up. You know, we used to ride horses and we'd fall off. My dad would say, well, what the hell are you going to do? Lay there, get back up on that horse. And, um, and I think you have to do that with just about everything. You know?
0: That's right. So Danny, uh, the world that we live in is business to business partnerships, having organizations work together. Tell us a little bit about how you've built the roastery over the past 25 years and what partnerships have meant to your organization.
1: You bet. When you just ask me, I, 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 I'll tell a story if, I, if we have time to play it. But um, so, growing up in the Midwest, we just—it's um, again—it's not in our DNA because we've only been around, you know, uh, here in the country for several hundred years. But it is definitely in our culture. Partnerships, especially here in the Midwest, growing up, you know, uh, barn raising, uh, fence, putting fences in, um, all kinds of different things. Some of you would get sick. Everybody would come and help them harvest, or if somebody got sick, somebody would help them, you know, do all the planting. I think it's in our nature here in the Midwest, right? You just you just, you just, just help people, you do the right thing. Then not everybody could afford, you know, back in the prairie days, when I'm talking about uh, in forward, not everybody could afford uh, to have their own threshing machine, their own plant, or their own harvester or uh, combines, so on and so forth. So I think it's kind of rooted in our culture here, a partnering, right? It just—I think it is. So we sure don't have late claim to anything like that. So it's only natural for us to do that. And then, I am—I um, get in—and I'm not unique on this. I get more joy. I get a lot more joy um, bragging about your idea. I mean, who wants to hear um, somebody talk about I, I, I? I mean, it's sickening, right? So I can—I love trumping some trumpeting somebody else's idea. And it's the same thing with the collaboration. Um, years ago, I was on this European coffee house tour, and this friend of mine had this CD. it was Pavarotti in Friends. And it was Pavarotti singing with Zucchero from um, Italy and Cindy Lauper and all sorts of disparate people that in it and that made it so cool. There's another one like with Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett, that kind of thing, right? And you think. How, who in the world would put those two together? I love that kind of partnership, right? I love that kind of collaboration. So coffee and chocolate, you know, what we did with Andre's years ago was pretty intuitive. Um, but then, you know, uh, we had a, there's a local distillery, vodka, Clear 10. So we did a coffee clear, uh, a, a coffee with Clear 10, we call it Dizzy 3. So it's this coffee flavored vodka that's just killer. And we did a coffee beer with Boulevard a couple times. Uh, we did another one with Epic and and uh, um, Epic Brewing, and that was unbelievable. Also, um, we have a coffee infused ketchup, a coffee infused balsamic vinegar that absolutely tastes like it just tastes like a dessert. I have it every single night on the salad. Um, and then we have a couple more a coffee. Uh, coffee infused, um, uh, rub, a coffee infused, uh, uh, barbecue sauce, of course, from Kansas city, but oh my God, that is so good. It's a molasses based. It just makes me hungry thinking about it. Um, and then we tried to do coffee candles without scents. That's a tough one. Never did, uh, never have, uh, conquered that one. If you want to do it natural, I have a super, super sensitive nose and any in candles just plug me up. So it's got to be a hundred percent natural but so then other companies too right so we're um again it's just it's philosophical and again for in it for me i take no credit it's just common sense you're what what i also like to do you have our best interests at heart or you don't we have your best interests at heart so who's it about you know who's the hero and if the hero is just me 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 well, no one's going to want to partner with somebody like that. Um, It's like a, you know, it's the antithesis of a prima donna. So we love to brag about Kansas city. I love to brag about, you know, Michael Smith or Jasper Colby or whoever the case is. Right. Just, I love it. And if I'm, if I'm associated with them and partnering with them, I am. And I know I'm not unique in this way. I love that way better than look at me. It's like, look at that how cool is that whatever that is so um we just you know from office products to everything we just we have never not had this you know support local buy local and um and I don't take any credit for that and it it annoys me when you have to explain that to somebody you know if you if you my my 13 year old could have you know three years ago could have told you the multiplier effect of a dollar spent in Kansas city versus a dollar spent with a company based in Europe or somewhere else. It's about seven to eight. So growing up in Iowa, again, this is, it's just common sense. Um, We were each year, we did a float for homecoming, right? And we would go around to the local businesses and ask for donations to help do the float. And every one of those businesses knew where you bought your refrigerator, if you bought it at Nebraska Furniture Mart, or if you bought it in Denison, Iowa, where you got your class pictures taken, where you bought your car, and and as 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old kids, they would drill us if we got it somewhere else. So we weren't, you know, it was just, of course you're going to buy local. And it's not like, look at me buying local. You were stupid if you didn't. And sometimes you'd be shamed if you didn't. So um, so fast forward, for twenty five years, everything that we can do, we we do locally, and um, again for for us, it's massively common sense. But after I think the longer we do that, the more people know it, the more they appreciate it, and then if you're one of our suppliers, you go that extra mile because you know how we are, and vice versa.
0: But then obviously, you're super passionate about you know building businesses and developing people, developing leaders. But I'm to ask you. Uh, and I know you're heavily involved in, in mentoring programs. Who is, is a person or maybe a couple folks that have been really influential on you and your developments uh, and then building your business philosophies and leadership philosophies?
1: You bet. I am so blessed and lucky. And i don't say that lightly. There's a long, long story, but short story is my, my, my uh, mentor for 23 years was Henry Block. And, uh, and then. Barnett Helsberg also, um, you know, so Barnett Helsberg sold his company to Warren Buffett and, um, 1994 started, uh, the Helsberg entrepreneurial mentoring program. So at the beginning of 1995, I got hooked up with, uh, Henry Block and, um, and worked with Henry from then all the way up until March of this year. And, um, and that was absolutely instrumental, you know, so, we started in 93 that was only seven eight years after you know wall street with michael douglas gordon gecko greed is good there was a tract in society still at that part where you just reduce your responsibility to the uh stockholder stockholder and so it's you know there was real there was a strong tract in in our country that way and I and I didn't know anything about business. I did poli sci major. I really feel like I still don't know that much about business, but just common Midwestern sense. I just feel lucky that I had the mentors that I did, and it's kind of like in a sense saying, "Oh, okay, is that how you do it?" I don't know anything about business. Okay, I'll do it that way. Well, that way was the way of you know, um, Henry Block and Barnett Hellsberg. and there was a story, true story, short story is there was this, you know, um, Ewing Kaufman, Kaufman Foundation, Ewing Kaufman started uh, Marion Labs and became Marion Merrill Dow, this huge, um, huge company. He sold it. He owned the royals, of course. He sold it and created a foundation to to uh, help entrepreneurs, right? So that story was being told to him, being told that, supposedly that this person gets off a you know plane from the east coast comes back he's kind of strutting around um, bragging about this deal that he created and how much money they're going to make and ewing kaufman says well how about the other guy can he make a diamond?" and this person says well i don't know how ewing kaufman put him back on the flight and back to the east coast and renegotiate the price up and ewing kaufman said if if um, if the other guys we don't make anything if the other guys isn't making money, they're not going to be around. We're not going to be around. It's stupid. We have. It's a partnership. Our partners have to make money. And again, today, you might think, well, yeah, but, you know, that was I think that was in the early 80s. Um, well, that was a great Ewan Kaufman was a great mentor to Barnett Helsberg, and Barnett Helsberg has been a great mentor to us. So we had that kind of philosophy rooted in. And by the way, several years ago, I was sitting next to that guy who, who did that. And I was at a Royals game. And I said, hey, I've been telling this story kind of mindlessly for 21 years. I'd love to know, is it true? And it was Mike Herman. And Mike Herman says, not only was it true, it was me. And then later I said, uh, Mike, I sent him an email. I said, I'm sending out a quarterly newsletter. And I just want to tell that story. I just want to make sure it's okay. I won't use your name and I won't use your position. And he said, "You can use my name and my position," because it was it was a pivotal moment in his life. And then I think of the hundreds and thousands of people in Kansas City that learn from that and then practice based on that. And um, again, it's common sense, but not always common practice. You know, if I can get somebody, I'm going to get them. And you might do that if you have this short-term philosophy. Again, I sound preachy about it. I'm not. I just we just have this long-term. Again, it, for me, it's just common sense, right? Uh, we're going to live to fight another day. Hopefully, both of us, and we both got to uh, win here, and then we can talk about it. And then sometimes I might say, you know what? Geez, Bob, I, um, we can't make a dime there. I totally appreciate it. Totally appreciate it. somebody else might have a competitive advantage that we don't. Uh, but that's not going to be good for our team or a
0: company, and we move on. It's like if you have that uh, quick transactional mindset of that short-term win, you might win today, you might win this week, but you're not going to be around next month. It's really that collaborative, long-term view. So Mm -hmm. I love that you said with your business. It's not about winning this month. How are are we going to change the world? How are we going to to go decade after decade and really change something? So, Danny, I got one last question for you before we let you go. So I want you to speak to your 25-year-old self. So given all this wisdom that you've gained over the years, if you could speak to your 25-year-old self, what kind of advice would you give him?
1: Oh my gosh, you just gave me goosebumps with that. That is a, a very compelling question. I would say, you know, keep, you know, keep the keep your um eye on the on the goal, long, 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 long-term goal, and then fit, fit, fit. Um, there's that notion of uh uh culture will trump strategy any day of the week it's the same thing with people it's got it it doesn't matter how good they are or what their uh, experience or skill sets are it's fit 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 so surround yourself with fit i probably i probably needed 15 or 18 years to figure that out um it's it seems so intuitive but it's hard um but yeah, and then, um, yeah, and I, 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 God, we made so many mistakes, but um, I think, um, yeah, I think I would like to keep your mind on the goal, fit, 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 fit. You always know it's all about the people. You know that. I knew that at 25, but what I did know at 25 was the, 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 um, the chemistry fit part. You think you're back into that, but you don't, you start with that. If you have the right fit, you can learn just about anything. And no matter what you know, if you don't fit or if your character or values aren't the same, nothing else matters.
0: Man, it's awesome advice.
1: I think that's it. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate you doing this.
0: Thank you. <laughs> well, Danny, thank you for sharing your insights, man. It's been great uh, catching up with you. And man, good luck and continued success to the roastery. We'll be watching you.
1: Thank you. If I can ever do anything for you, let me know. Thank you. Partnernomics Podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnonomics Podcast, visit Partnonomics.com.